Uh, by a show of hands, who, who participated in a small group during this uh, Gospel Primer series? Very good. That's wonderful, wonderful. Um, for those of you who did not get to participate, um, we try to do these a couple times a year where we will do a whole a teaching series that has a small group component, and it's a great way to meet people and to get uh, discussion and dialogue going outside of the Sunday teaching time because there's not much dialoguing that goes on during the teaching time. And so I, I would encourage you next time that you see one of those series coming around, if you haven't tried it, to give it a try. Or in general, um, if you're looking for a community of people to be following Jesus with, uh, small groups are a great way to do that. And so I encourage you on your green card to check that box. I know that it's risky, and you probably, um, it might be your first time where you might have had a bad experience or something like that. Um, but I can tell you that uh, the small group leaders here at Genesis are genuine. Not to say that they're not quirky, because um, I know that my small group is very quirky, but it feels like family, and that's been super, super helpful, especially uh, when we get into seasons where we're being uh, tested and when things are not going the way that we thought that they would. Um, it can be helpful to be in a small group. So that's my encouragement to you. So let me pray, and then we're going to get into the teaching. Uh, so Lord, um, vacillating uh, between the content I prepped and then the content that's here, and so I ask that you fuse them together. And I ask that you would speak, that you would allow us to hear from you. And that uh, your word would be the exact word that we need this morning. And so we submit that to you. And um, whether, where there's um, anxiousness or where there's um, dryness or perhaps it seems like the lack of movement, Lord, would you speak your word? And would it be the exact word that we need to hear? And so we submit to you and we ask for your spirit. And so we say, uh, more of your spirit in this place and more of your spirit in our lives. May we not be the resistance. Amen. So we, we've spent uh, eight weeks going through a series called The Gospel Primer. And the series, the big idea behind this series was learning how the gospel of Jesus transforms us. It transforms our identity. It reshapes the rhythms of our life. But the idea was that we would become so familiar with the gospel, with good news, that we would see that the gospel is actually always active that we would see that there's good news that is good news to every people in every context. And that we have become good news. That in our, our proclamation, we point to good news, or in, in our demonstration, we display good news. But ultimately, that we have become 
good news to others. And that, that might sound outside of the norm of how you would describe Christians, right? You might not describe Christians as being good news to anyone, let alone good news to everyone in every context. And we could probably sit together and talk about what's not good news and why. And, and I think in some ways, Christians have become known more for what they are against than for what they are for. And the good news is something that we should be for, that there are people who are longing to know their core identity, and that their core identity is that they are loved and beloved by God. And for us, we've been trying to practice that over these last eight weeks. And so today, we have the final week on the Gospel Primer, and this is the, this is the big idea for this week. Sharing the gospel does not need to be a big, long, new list of activities that we need to jam into our already busy schedules. Does that sound like good news? It is really a matter of noticing the rhythms of life that we already live in and shifting from thinking additional to being more intentional with all of life. So today, we're going to be looking at making a paradigm shift. James didn't know I was talking about this, but James talked about being at work, being in the midst of work, and all of a sudden, while he's at work, he has an opportunity to speak blessing into this woman's life. This is what we're talking about. James didn't have to do something in addition to what he was already doing. He was already at work. But he did have to be intentional about the words that he would use with this lady. And so today I want to challenge us. I want us to go through um, and use a tool and to begin to see where is God on the move and to begin to capture some of God's movement right in your bulletin, or I think brochure is what uh, Bob said. I like that. I like brochure. So you're going to want to take out your brochure so that you can use that, and then we'll collect them in the narthex after. <laughs> we won't collect them. I'm just kidding. So here's the scripture. So uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and is um, exhorting them. And he's saying, hey, you're doing a lot of great things, and then he's saying, and then here's some things that you can continue to, to have on your radar, to be thinking about. And so Paul says this to them, be, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And so this statement of making the most of every opportunity is really what I, what I want us to be considering this morning and to be listening for God. What is it for us to be making the most of every opportunity? This series has, has taken us on quite a journey of discovery, and um, I've been so encouraged by my time with my small group. Um, there's, there's all these stories that have been emerging about God's activity within the small group, in people's lives, and then in 
in their families' lives and then in their workplaces. And I think that this series has helped me to kind of put words or to be able to articulate what it is. We've defined that the gospel as being good news to everyone in every context and is the way that Jesus pursues people, that Jesus is active, that God is actively pursuing people, and that when we show up in people's lives, we're not bringing God to them. God's already been active. That was really important for us to know. We heard the big story of God, that that story involved creation and a fall, and then redemption, and then recreation. And we learned to be able to tell that story, and we learned to be able to tell our story that mirrors that story. That in our stories, there's creation, and there's fall, and there's redemption, and there's recreation. And then we practiced listening for these parts in other people's stories. We practiced active listening. We practiced being good question askers. And we were challenged with what it is to exercise empathy. These have been good weeks, rich. We discovered that the good news of the gospel is more robust when it marries proclamation and demonstration. And that each one of us kind of has a tendency to lean towards one or the other. And, then, and that, that's why it's so important for us to be in each other's lives. Because where I lack in proclamation, one of my community, one of my family, may thrive. And where they lack in demonstration, that may be common sense to me. But that the gospel is more robust when we marry proclamation and demonstration. And then we found that all of our identity is anchored in the gospel as being loved and adopted children of God. And then last week we were challenged with the idea that God is not asking us to do something for him, but instead that God is inviting us to join him in what he's already doing. And that's a huge paradigm shift that God is already active in the world. Over these past eight weeks, we've learned a lot about the gospel, how it affects all of life, and even how to begin to listen to others and to speak good news to others. But if you're like me, at times, I have a hard time effectively translating what we talk about here or in my small group into everyday life. And I can teach a concept or push a concept here, but I don't necessarily apply it. And so this week, um, I surprised myself at the gym, and one of my buddies who regularly talks with me uh, and regularly battles depression um, was in a bad space. And so I sat with him and, uh, before our workout, and he was not able to articulate what was going on, but I, just, I said, you know, let's... Um, we're five minutes late. Were you planning on working out? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, let's do that. You know, so everybody worked out. And then afterwards, I came and sat with him. And he began to share with four of us um, how his nephew 
Um, he takes his nephew weekly to support groups because his nephew is transgender and is, and is transitioning and that um, his nephew's parents won't take him. And he begins to talk about how important those rides are and how he, he's able to listen and to speak hope and encouragement to his nephew who is 16 and in the midst of what most of us will never experience at any point in our life. And I begin to realize, oh, um, what we've been talking about for seven weeks is happening right now in front of me. And it was one of those moments where I was like, I should probably participate, right? And, uh, and I wanted to participate um, genuinely. And so that, that led to, you know, me speaking blessing over Kevin and over the amount of energy and the amount of sadness and the weight that Kevin carries for his nephew. And I remember leave, leaving that interaction and thinking, oh, like, I didn't have to schedule a session with Kevin. I didn't have to say, oh, hey, you know, hey, I'm a pastor, so call my office uh, nobody will answer, and leave a voicemail, and I'll check it in three weeks, right? If anyone's left a message here, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it was, it was the moment, it was happening right then, and I honestly believe that it was the Spirit of God that was saying, Nate, take notice, this is happening right here, and you're not in charge of this. Kevin is sharing his heart, and nobody else in this conversation is a follower of mine. Are you going to participate? Are you, are you going to step into this conversation? And it wasn't because Jesus wasn't a part of it. Jesus was clearly a part of it. Jesus has clearly been shaping Kevin's heart. But I was able to step in and participate as a servant, as a follower of Jesus. This is the idea of making the most of every opportunity. This is what Paul's talking about. Make the most of every opportunity. So it doesn't mean that you're gonna just walk the halls of, of a nursing home, right? And you're like, hey, I'm sure I'll stumble into an opportunity in here because everyone's in their, you know, in their last legs of life. It's saying, as you go through life, make the most of the opportunities. Make the most, recognize who you are, recognize the gospel, the transformation it's done in your life, know your story, know my story, and then participate in other people's stories. And for me, this is requiring a shift in thinking from something additional to something intentional. That sharing the gospel is not something I will do in addition to my regular life. It is something that I will do intentionally in my regular life. Does that make sense? I like to call it stacking. So it's not saying, here's all of the things that I have to do uh, as a husband, here's all the things that I do with my kids, here's all the things that I do at my work, here's all the things that I will do then for God, right? And that stacks really low. It's saying that all of this, all of this is what it is to live out the gospel. And that as I go, I'll be looking for the opportunities to make the most of those. And so, shifting from additional to intentional. 
This is the takeaway that they gave us in the series, and I thought it was great. You only have one life to live. If you try to live your American dream version of life and God's version of life at the same time, it will never work. It will never work. This is why so many of us experience burnout. It's why so many of us walk away from our faith because we don't see actual, real life practicality. We've made agreements with these ideas, and then when we don't see them come through, we say, eh, that's not real. It's why so many are frustrated in their Christian life, because they're saying, I'm trying to follow Jesus, and what that means is I've added a whole bunch of things to the life that I was already living, and those things don't seem to be tipping the scales It requires a paradigm shift for us. There's only so many hours of the day, but here's the cool thing. We already have natural rhythms that put us into the context of other people's lives. We already have coming and going that helps us to have touch points with people, whether that's in our neighborhoods, or whether that's in our networks, those rhythms already exist. Those relationships are already there. The question is, have we ever considered that God might be on pursuit of somebody that we already know? <laughs> Could God be on the pursuit of somebody that I go to the gym with? Could God be on the pursuit of the person that I share a cubicle with? Is it possible that God has been on the pursuit of people in my book club, fill in the blank. Lots of times this idea of sharing the gospel is tied to the Great Commission, and it has like this huge weight to it. It's in Matthew 28, and Jesus is giving direction to the disciples. This is what the scripture says. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That can sound super weighty and super heavy, especially if you're an accountant and it's tax season, right? Or if you're an immigration lawyer in a Trump presidency, right? And there's so much for you to do. And I'm also supposed to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. The thing that's interesting is that this going is actually a participle, which could read, as you go, 
Therefore, as you go, make disciples. Or it could be read on your way. And Jesus says to the 11, on your way, as you go, make disciples. And when I think about this, this on your way or in your going, to me, that's, a, that's an invitation. To me, that's a massive shift from additional to intentional. As you go, in your going, you already know your schedule for tomorrow, right? You already, you've already planned the week out. You've already, you've already thought about the next month. As you go, in your going, would you pay attention and be intentional about looking for what God's doing as you go? I put this uh, concentric circle tool in your brochure if you want to take it out. Because I think that this morning we have an awesome opportunity to ask the question, where are you already going? Where are you already going? And you can use this tool as I talk to write down names or in, of individuals, or there might be, as you move more towards the margin, towards a local community or towards the nation, there may be people groups that God brings to your attention. My question for you today is where are you already going? And would you write it down? Would you, would you make a note of it and write it down as God brings names or people to mind over the last part of my talk. So keep that sheet out, and I believe that names are gonna begin to come to the surface, and so my encouragement is write them down in the concentric circle that they fit, and then re-engage with my excellent talk, okay? So check out for like 10 seconds, write it, then re-engage so you don't miss all of the gold that I'm giving away up here. So. God's given us natural reminders. We've got regular, everyday rhythms, but we have yet to see them as opportunities. Make the most of every opportunity. So how can we reclaim that? This series offers us six rhythms of life that will help us engage that these rhythms are pictures of the gospel and that they can give us some handles or perhaps training wheels as we're trying this to see that there's normal stuff of life that we do that are actually opportunities that God is inviting us to make the most of. And in many ways, we already live these rhythms, but we haven't taken the time to notice them. So here's the first one. Um, Know the story. The first rhythm is know the story. Everyone has a story to tell. We are a story-formed people. Make it a habit to get to know the stories of the people that are in your life and in your community. They are dying to tell you. Help others see how their stories intersect and mirror God's story. 
So number one, know the story. Everyone has a story to tell. Even right now, there might be names or interactions that you've had in your neighborhood or in your network where you may start to say, that's somebody whose story I don't know. Or they were trying to tell me, they were trying to tell me part of their story. Whose stories do you need to get to know better? Are they your neighbors? Are they your coworkers? Are they people that you have regular patterns of seeing in some type of social setting? Who do you want to get together with to share your story? Maybe there's someone that you say, oh, I've been wanting to share with them. I've been wanting to tell them my story. Write their name down. So number one, know the story. Number two, and I am going to move this quickly through them, just so you know. So write that name down quickly. Number two, listen. God is waiting to talk with us. Do you believe that? Like one person was like, maybe. God's waiting to talk with us. Do you believe that? Yeah? Okay. If so... Be intentional about listening. Find some pattern for listening to God. Not a prayer time where you're giving God your to-do list or your gift list, right? I'm talking about a practice of listening, making space just to listen. So I was, this past week I was in the gym and we were doing three movements and there was 10 reps to each movement and then we were doing that three times. And it was blowing out a certain you know, muscle group here. And so one movement was like to a partial, and then you held it while the other went. And so I did two full rounds. And I got into the, my third round and did about 20 movements. And my trainer was just standing there staring at me the whole time. And I was like, what? And he was like, you're doing the wrong movements. And I was like, do they count? <laughs> and he says this to me. In a season where I was not hearing from God, I'm talking weeks of silence or of blockage. He says, my trainer says to me, Nate, should you be rewarded for not listening? He was talking to me about movements, but when he says that, oh my gosh, like, my heart, like, broke because I I sensed the Lord inviting me, saying, should you be rewarded for not listening? Like, sometimes we get hype, and we're, like, asking the Lord for the nations, right? Give us the nations, Lord. Let, Let all people know your name, right? And then we just go off and do our regular life. And I feel like the Lord was saying to me, like, should you be rewarded for not listening? And I want to listen, and I want to actively listen, and I want to not do like 25 reps that don't count, and then you have to start over again. But is God highlighting someone to you in your neighborhood or in your network that he's pursuing? And he's given you a name, or he's given you a vision, 
where you see a picture of it. The dangerous question to ask is, God, how do I join you? How do I join you? The third, the third is to celebrate. Now, this is fun. I like this. Celebrate. Who doesn't want to celebrate? Everyone who didn't cheer just now, right? <laughs> who doesn't want to celebrate? The person who had the palm like this, and they're like, these kids. What would it be for you to, to weekly gather one time in your house or in somebody else's house and to share stories and to celebrate that God is active and moving? What if that was a part of your regular rhythm? What if, what if you made it your job to bring the gospel or to bring good news to every party that you attend? What would it be to celebrate as a way of showing that, there, that God is extravagant? If you were going to throw a party like that every week, who would you invite to it? Who do you think God would want you to invite to that party? Write their name down. Because God's probably on the pursuit of them. And in the description that I just made about a party, did anyone in here think about, oh, I do that because I'm in a small group? Everybody in my small group should be raising their hand. I mean, why is your small group not a weekly celebration? Why, what are we doing in our small groups that's so important that we're not celebrating that God is on the move and that we throw extravagant parties? Just a question. Number three, celebrate. Who's God wanting to invite into that celebration? Four, bless. And I love this because James didn't know I was talking about it, but he was talking about blessing this lady in a secular bookstore. Ooh. James doesn't work at family Christian bookstores. I won't say where he works, but he doesn't lose his job for bringing God into the workplace. But this idea of intentionally blessing others through words or through gifts or through actions. That God desires that all nations, that all people would be blessed through Jesus and that that blessing comes through us. That we become the conduit of that blessing. Who this week is God wanting to bless through you? Do some names come to mind that you may be able to bless in some unique way today, tomorrow, or next week. Now, you may not have all the resources in the world, but you do have something available to you. I don't know what it is, but you have something. God's given you something. You possess something that you can use to be a blessing to others. Now, sometimes we need to see what this looks like. There was an artist that was given a million dollars to make his next video. And he decided that he was gonna use 999,631.90 cents of that budget to give away. And this video is that video. 
world too, you know. Thank you so much. God bless you. Love. Demonstration, proclamation, robust, powerful. The gospel's on the move. Jesus is on pursuit. And sometimes Jesus uses the biggest hip-hop star <laughs> that we know. And he labels it God's plan. I mean, come on, church. We've got to see this. Bless people. Joining God's blessing. Number five is to eat together. And this is simple. Eat together. There's, there's nothing better than eating together. If you made a practice of once a week using a meal to sit with someone that you knew was not yet a Jesus follower. And just eat together. And there's no plan besides that. You'll find that there are people that like you and that they want to be around you and that in the conversation, God is on the pursuit for them. Whose name comes to mind, write it down. And then the last thing, the number six, has to do with Sabbath and to recreate, to join in the recreation work that God's doing. So taking time each week to rest and to play and to create, to paint, to draw, to write poetry, to lay around, to restore beauty, and to know that that is a part of the story of the gospel. That the work has been done on your behalf by Jesus, and now we get to participate and rest. So I ask you, what is the most restful activity in your life? And who could you invite to come with you into that? As you've been going through and writing down names, this could end here, and you could leave your bulletin in the pew, or you could recycle it, or you could take it and recognize that you've entered into sacred ground where God is saying, I'm pursuing this person and I would love for you to go with me. So church, I, I encourage you, this, this series is ending today. But my encouragement is that you keep going and that you keep sorting it out, what it is for you to be a part of proclamation and demonstration of the gospel, that you keep practicing, that you keep trying yet you keep telling us how it fails or how it succeeds. And then that you would recognize that the Lord wants to bless others through you. And you may not have a million dollar budget, right? But you have something and God wants to use it in his pursuit of others. So may you experience God's grace and ease 
And may you be surprised as you share good news in your going, as you go, making the most of every opportunity in relationships that you already have. Let me pray for us. So, Father, uh, you do the heavy lifting. And you're already on the move. And so, uh, help us to listen, to observe, and in our resistance, Lord, would you be merciful to us and equip us with all that we need. And so I do pray for ease, I pray for surprise, I pray for blessings that would come to this church, to those in this church, and that they would know that it was not theirs that you had entrusted it to them to bless others and that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we give you praise and we ask for all of this. May it be so. And we say amen. 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 Uh, I'm done. And there's an Easter egg hunt that we're going to have. So if you have kids, go get them. And I think you're supposed to come back here If you don't have kids, tease all the kids that are looking for eggs, and maybe you can be a part of hiding them in your pockets, your coat coat pockets, Pat.